Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Identical Cousins 17. Title of this episode is WWDC Pre-Crime. I'm here with my identical cousin, Michael Simmons, and our most excellent guest today is Jonathan Deutsch, who is famous especially for the wonderful app Hype. Yes, very How you awesome, doing, Jonathan? wonderful app. Doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Doing awesome. great. Michael, you're good? I am good. I am ready to go, and I have a feeling you want me to do something. Play me some music, please. Oh, I can't get enough of that yes, tune. That's that that, that song. song will will we'll have to change that someday. <laughs> <laughs> I used to actually watch the Patty Duke show on on Nick at Night years ago. Yes, same same. I, here. I'm not so old that I actually saw it when it originally aired, but <laughs> somehow I don't believe that. <laughs> no, I used to watch it too on Nick at Night. The funny thing is, it shows actually really good. Like you think, right? They run out of all these shows for they run out of all these ideas for like current shows. And then you try to resurrect weird things. Like, that would be a good show to resurrect, right? Yeah, it totally would. It, it's yeah. totally a great concept. And then, you know, you have the dichotomy of the two personalities, but it's the same actress doing, but it's great. I, I loved it. Right. The yeah. Patty Duke reboot, just like all the comic book movies. Exactly. Let's get Ronald Moore to produce it. That'd be great. <laughs> or J.J. Abrams. Yeah, right. If we like lens flares. <laughs> So uh, it's, it's so the first thing is I'm gonna Michael I'm gonna bust your chops over this flat tax bullshit. What oh, the fuck, dude? Okay, uh, explicit. Yep, you guys set the explicit tab uh, tag. Making a note right now. Make the okay. note. Explicit tag. Uh, we should just set it permanently okay. so you don't have to make notes anymore. Yeah, fuck. Good point. All right, so here's I have a lot of thoughts about this. Right, so the thing that sucks about tweeting or the thing that sucks about being on a podcast such as this. I was actually on iMore a few days ago, and somehow it got brought up, even though I said I didn't want to talk about it. Of, co- of course, I want to talk about it, but the thing of is... Of course you do. No one wants to agree, right? You never talk about religion. What is it? Religion, politics, and sex or something like that? Mm-hmm. But here, here's, here's the version that I kind of want to communicate. You don't have to agree with me. I'm just going to give you... I've been thinking about how to make this into a synced package so you can at least understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. We have a society, right? Now, as a society right now, I'm an American, so I'm talking about America. I understand we can go outward and talk global and talk about the world and how everyone should help everyone. But for now, all intents and purposes, I'm talking about America, right? Yep. We have people here. And there are people who have, and there are people who don't have, and there are people who aspire, and there are people who don't aspire, and there are people who have good luck and bad luck, and, and, and everyone's held, held and holds and whatever has a different hand. But here's the point. Everyone should be taken care of. That's the important part, is that we... We give to those who don't have, and those who don't have, have, and everyone should be able to take care of each other. Are we on the same page at least there? Sure. Okay. The problem is, is that the whole tax system is based on this really unfair set of rules that continuously get more unfair because people lobby for rules to be changed in their favor. It's very skewed and very biased. Are we on the same page there? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So... All I, I'm talking about when I say there should be flat tax, or there should be this, is there needs to be a total overhaul of the tax system so there is something that everybody pays into, that everybody is able to contribute, so it's not relying on one subset of our society, and it's also not, whether it's an advantage or disadvantage, biasing specific people, the haves or the have-nots, from doing something. I was talking with someone who had an idea, and he was like, I mean, I don't know, this is pretty radical, but when he spelled it out, it worked. He's like, if everybody, everyone, that means if you're a parent and you have six kids, that's eight people. You know, if you're mother, father, and you have six kids, that's eight people, right? That 
if you paid, let's say there was a tax and it was a flat tax and everyone had to pay, let's say 4,000 per person or 3,000 per person or whatever it was, the amount of money by everyone paying something would be huge. The thing is, it's based on income. So people who don't, now you could, you could say, fine, people who don't have jobs don't have income to pay taxes. But if they're having things like welfare or they're having things like government programs or something, they must have something unless they're not getting money. And I realize there are programs that don't give money. But the point is, is that there has to be some overhaul to the tax system. And that's all I think I was getting at. Obviously, we can debate the minutiae. We could debate the details. But I think it's so important that right now everyone understands how unfair the tax system is that a company like Apple that's paying so much in taxes, huge, the, the largest amount of any company is actually on trial because they're simply playing by the rules that were set by all of these politicians, businessmen and lobbyists to have these loopholes to save money. There shouldn't be, here's my point, there shouldn't be a way to save money on taxes. Everyone should pay enough taxes so there's enough taxes to do what the government needs to do. That's pretty much it. Wow. I'm sorry, I, I missed the last bit. I had to let my cat out of the room. That's okay. Um, <laughs> so you're saying, okay, I agree I agree completely that the tax system is is biased, full of loopholes. Broken. Um, yeah, it's broken, broken, right? Do, do you agree yeah, too, Jonathan? We got to get you in on this. Well, so I agree to a certain point, but taxes can also be levers, right? So for sponsoring the type of activity the government wants, they can use um, either tax credits or lower taxes on certain people to incentivize certain behaviors, especially from companies or from people. And so are you suggesting that the government, for example, shouldn't give tax credits to, um, for example, people who buy um, hybrid or all electric vehicles. No, so that's incentives, right? That's a different, you could, and yeah, sure, you can argue it's a tax or a decrease of a tax or something. No, incentives are great too, but there's, there's brokenness, if you will, in that too right now, because in terms of some of the incentives that are given, okay, well, right now, hybrid cars are kind of expensive, so they're being given to people who already have higher taxes. I mean, it, it's not a... I guess the thing is, is that you have to... I, I, yeah, so yeah, the short answer is yes. I agree there should be incentives and there should be levers, but the main thing is, do you agree that overall the tax system's broken? Well, see, the thing is, once you say, yes, we can have incentives and levers, you get what we have today. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's the thing. Because that all of a sudden creates these exceptions, right? Uh, Exactly. You either have to have um, it fair for everyone or there's exceptions. And if there's exceptions, then there's incentives and de-incentives. Sure. Uh, For instance, I get, uh, people call it middle-class welfare, which is I can deduct the interest uh, from my mortgage from my house. Right. Which I don't actually need that, but heck, I like it. Um, And the government wants to encourage people to buy homes. So, you know. There are just all kinds of huge... You know, that's an interesting one, actually. The deduction of, um, you know, interest income from a mortgage. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. like you said, I like it, too. I think it's great. But it's one of those ones that I sit there and I'm like, why is this, though? Like, okay, here's an example. This is one that just boggles my mind. So I have a dog and we have to buy our medicine. She's on medicine. She's sick, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, she's not sick because she's on the medicine. The medicine helps her not be sick. (laughs) Well, guess what? Because she's a pet, there's tax on the medicine. So I asked them at the pharmacy about this, and they're like, yeah, because it's a pet, they, you have to charge tax. If it was a person, there wouldn't be tax, but if it's a pet, there's tax. What's up with that? So a pet's considered, I guess, a luxury, right? Like in this, in well, this case. Well, in comparison, yeah, sure. Right, but, is, is, but like, that's, that's probably a facet of the tax system to me that just seems strange. Like, 
medicine should be medicine. I mean, like, why do you then judge if it's a person or a pet? Like, it's medicine, right? So that's usually, I mean, okay, you could say you don't have to have a pet, but then I could say, well, I don't have to have a house, right? That is true. So that's sort of, there's there's a lot of these logics, or I guess I'd say illogics that I see, like, hey, my pet's medicine has to be taxed. Like, what? It's, It's a vital medicine that my pet needs. Right. So the government has an interest in making sure that even even the poorest people can afford their medicine. And one way they do that is to say, okay, there's no tax on medicine. But if you're talking about your, your dog or cat or something, well, it is a bit of a luxury item. If, if you can afford to yeah. feed and okay, care I could for see that animal, logic. I could see that logic. If you have an animal, you're probably in good enough shape that, that yeah, you can afford course. that little tax on the yeah. medicine. And, and the government doesn't see it as their mandate to make sure that every single poor cat and dog gets their medicine. They quite rightly don't extend that far. Um, they care about people more. Sure, and but maybe maybe I'm just a simplif- sim- simplest or what a simplifier. But to me, it's like it's medicine, and I don't think it should be judged by what or who is taking it. It's medicine, right? But the government says simplifies it by saying it's people. Yep. Fair enough. I mean, I, I don't I don't agree. I mean, I, I, you didn't make it up. I'm just saying I don't agree with that. But I, like to me, it just it seems like that's something that. That, that's part of the system that's broken, that there's all these exceptions and all these different things. And all like, I think the taxes can actually be made more effective by simplifying them. Well, I think so too, but it, uh, you lose, you learn, you lose levers and incentives that, you know, well, doesn't it seem that created t- for a reason? We may not agree with all of them. Sure. Fact, sure. But doesn't it seem that the complexities but- of the tax system are complex really to favor the people who have the most amount of money? Yes, yes. Okay, course. so right. Because right. Those, those are the people who can affect government. Yeah. Right, and have the money to affect government. Mm-hmm, so actually, yeah. like an Apple, one of the things I mentioned about Apple is, you know, Apple's doing all of these loopholes or whatever. They're legal, completely legal, right? Apple's not sure. doing anything illegal. They'd be in big trouble. But the thing is, it actually costs Apple insane, and other companies insane amounts of money to do this, right? Like to create these offshore companies or have these offshore companies and have their things over there and all this. It costs a ton of money. But the thing mm-hmm. is, they actually save even more money on the taxes. So that's how insane it is, right? They have to, excuse me, they have to spend all this money and have all of this complexity and actually spend money to do this. But the net result is saving money. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, I've always heard a good accountant will be the one that saves you money. And that's how you know you have a good accountant. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. So, I mean, that's so, yeah, I mean, again, we could talk about this for months, days, years. We'd never all agree. But my my point was, and I hope you see it a little bit better now because I couldn't really get it into the Twitter 140 characters or whatever is I just think the tax system's completely broken. I think it needs an overhaul. And I think when you see things like a company like Apple, who is paying all of these taxes, being kind of accused of following the laws that these politicians made who are accusing them of doing this stuff, it's pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And imagine the amount of money, time, and cost that it's taking to have this thing that isn't even going to hopeful. I mean, I don't think it's going to result in anything. What's it going to result in? What's, what are they looking to do? Say to Apple, hey, we want more of your money. Like, please think about giving us more money just because. Well, rem- yes. remember that Apple's not actually on trial here. Yeah, that's right. Um, so what they're doing is learning about how big companies use the tax code. And hopefully what will come out of it is what Tim Cook has also asked for, uh, which is you know, some changes. Well, that's why I'm passionate about this, because ultimately I'm hoping this is what it's going to be. But to me, it doesn't seem that way, because some of the questions and some of the ways that they spoke to Apple and other companies, as you know, it's not just Apple, 
was is very accusatory, like, but you this, but you that. It's like, well, if you're trying to actually find out what the problem is, there's no buts. This is what they're doing based upon the current tax system. Don't don't point fingers to them like they did something bad. Like, that's the thing. It just seems like the politicians are being very like, but but you said this. So how are you doing this? Well, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It just it feels very witch hunty. Sure. I hope it's not. I hope it's, it's not. It's hard to get. I'm not too indignant over, you know, what happens to a giant company, even one that I like, like Apple. Um, you know, it, it doesn't affect me at all emotionally. I kind of don't really, really care. I hope that the tax system gets fixed. But the fact that politicians are, you know, seem like they're attacking Apple, I just don't give a shit. Well, the thing I, I think it's politics as usual. It's definitely yeah. politics as usual. And, and make their impression and maybe have a good soundbite that will get them on the daily And show. also get their constituents and people to say, oh, look what we did, right? We stood up mm-hmm. to the bad guy. I mean, look, Apple is a huge company. And just so you know, I don't care what happens to Apple either, especially if they break the law. They should be put, you know, brought to justice well, sure. and put down. Especially Apple, let's be honest, with all the money they have, they're in the position to do all this stuff. And they are doing this stuff, right? That's what happens mm-hmm. when you have a lot of money. Absolute, you know, power corrupts absolutely. But my point is, is like... It just the, I want this trial or these hearings or whatever to come out and have a positive impact on our tax system to overhaul it. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel like that's what the politicians are going. I mean, it's going to be politics as usual. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. Well, it's tough. I I actually see this as an area that we could see some bipartisan compromise on, because I think Republicans have have been pushing for a, a simpler tax code for quite some time, and you know I've heard Obama mention it. Um, I think Democrats could be brought on board. This is this is one rare, rare case like immigration reform where I think you could get both parties to do something. And I, I think that would be great, frankly. Um, it'll be tough, though, because as soon as they try to try to make stuff simpler, there will be powerful moneyed interests that are against that, that want their yep. particular thing, you know, retained or even made bigger. And those people will own some of the politicians. And, it, it, you know, making changes here is very, very, very difficult. And it has to be bipartisan because, you know, there's no way one party would take all the blame for this. Yeah, uh, it's, definitely, I, it's definitely difficult. I think it could happen, yeah. The other thing that's, of course, the difficult piece in this is the IRS, right? So you have this huge division of the government, the IRS, and you have a huge section of our industry or world or market or, or you know, in the U.S. world of accountants, right? HR mm-hmm. Block, all these big companies into it, right? Yep. Yeah, they, they don't want the system, the current system to go away. What's, what's incredible is... If they could get rid of the system and just have it like, hey, you make this much and, you know, an employer reports it and you just have to pay X, right? Nothing else. Mm-hmm. Not no no deductions. No this. No that. You're paying this. Mm-hmm. What about capital gains? Yeah, yeah. well, I, they'd have to that would have to be reported somehow. You'd have to pay something on it. I mean, we could pay it at the time that you sell the stocks or something, you know, put the burden on the companies to pay the government. The thing is, well, is what just, about uh, tax deferred retirement accounts? Well, th- things would have to change, right? With a with the type of system where everyone's paying a certain tax, things would change. Massive changes. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is we just have a tax system so long that people are like, "Well, you can't change it." Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of inertia behind. Yeah, of course, it. of course. And when you look at any real government program, I mean, even healthcare, which happened a couple years ago, you know, you have to ask what could cause, especially from from what you want of a, a radically different tax code, what could cause change to be on that massive of a scale versus the little steps that Washington actually can can make when there's bipartisan support. And there's not too many things that have ever caused 
radical change in our government. I mean, the last one that I can think of was um, September 11th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you need something big to make big changes. Yeah. So, Michael, um, about the flat tax specifically, I, I, I totally get you about talking about fair taxes. But do you actually suggest that, um, that people below the poverty line should pay the same percentage of tax as uh, billionaires? Well, that's the hard part is it gets into the whole equality thing. And then, of course, equality turns into fair. And, of course, fair is not the same for me as it is for someone who doesn't have, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we use the word fair or I'll say flat or this or that. Well, you know, let's say well, that fair and flat are, are two different things. They are, but the flat thing also may not be fair to someone, right? So let's say there's exactly. a flat tax of five thousand, and someone's only making twelve thousand a year. Well, that's more than you know. You can. Do are, are you suggesting a flat tax of a set actual set amount rather than a set percentage? Well, I'm not sure what I'm what I'm suggesting. My thing that I'm suggesting is just that I think the way the current tax system works is really broken, and I think when I look at certain countries where there is a VAT tax or there is something where People have to pay no matter what. In other words, so let's say you don't have a lot of money, but you, you then have a lot of credit cards. So you get yourself into massive debt, right? Mm-hmm. So you get yourself into massive debt. So now you have problems. So you can't pay your tax bills, let's say, which obviously then the IRS would like, you know, do something. But the point is, is sure. on a VAT tax, you're paying money because you're buying things, right? All the consumables mm-hmm. get taxes. I actually like that because if the economy is driven by spending, which it is, then every purchase gets money to the government. Now, I realize we have a sales tax, but it's very low. Mm-hmm. So when you have someone, let's say you're a millionaire and you're buying lots of cars, right? Well, you're mm-hmm. paying that VAT tax. Sure. If, if you're someone that has a ton of money, then you're buying things. You don't say, oh, well, there's a 20-something percent tax. So I'm not going to buy this. No, you want what you want, and that's why you have money, right? Mm-hmm. So, And I understand if people don't have a lot of money, then those prices could potentially increase you know, by 10 15%, wherever the current taxes are. But there would obviously, I would hope, be an offset because of the VAT tax, right? The VAT tax is supposed to offset whatever your income taxes are. That's how it works in other countries. So would you exclude things like milk and bread from this additional tax? It's tough. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know how it actually works in Europe. I think all food products have it. I think everything mm-hmm. has it. I think you just pay mm-hmm. it. It's value-added tax on everything. Hmm. See, I, I think the government has wanted is to... Um, use the lack of sales tax as an incentive for spending and purchasing to stimulate economic activity versus people saving money. Because if you have money in a bank, then it's not circulating and nothing's really coming of it and, and the money is less liquid. But the only problem with that is I think with the low tax, people complain about the tax the way it is now. Oh my God, it's 7%. Oh my God, it's 8%. Like people, people, you know, people look to even buy things out of state. Look at the whole Amazon sales tax, right? People look to skirt this tax by buying out of state. If there was a VAT tax that was equal and flat and there's no more state tax and it's just one tax everywhere... Although I'm sure states wouldn't like that. So yeah, yeah. states need revenue too. Yeah. I mean, so that's the whole thing. This thing is not easily solvable. And obviously, like I said, we could talk about this for hours. So I should probably mediate my own thing out of here and get this over with. But I just think the tax system is really broken. And I think it needs a major overhaul. That's all. What I would suggest, though, is not use the term flat tax when you talk about this. Okay, go ahead. Uh, just because I don't think you yourself are actually committed to a flat tax. And... And it does mean something kind of specific. So if you were in favor of um, simplifying taxes and making them fair, you know, I would I would say that's what you want to say rather than talking about a flat tax. OK, fair enough. Yeah. Anything else, Jonathan? 
I think that about covers taxes. All right, good. Let's get on to some more interesting things. Things we can actually possibly do something about. So, well, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, I, I think one of the biggest stories in our neck of the woods is um, uh, Yahoo buying Tumblr, which I'm really happy for our friend Marco because uh, it sounds like you know he's got a little safety net and a little bit of freedom, which sounds really cool. And I think that's about all I all I have to say about it, other than yeah. I actually was it a good acquisition for Yahoo. I'm impressed. I'm impressed by what Yahoo's been doing lately. I mean, obviously, you know, Marissa Meyer's kicking butt. Um, I think she has a vision. I think she's actually going to turn that company around. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. Do you think she's actually turning it around, or act- or just kind of making it seem exciting? No, what I actually think, this is my guess, just because, look, when she was at Google and she used an iPhone, like, that was controversial, right? Mm-hmm. But she used what she used was good. And if you look at all of her talks and you look at what she does, she's really good at knowing what's good and what sucks. That's, that's my take on her. I don't know her, but from what I can tell and what I can gather, I'm going to give her a thumbs up on actually knowing what she talks about. Okay. So if that's the case and she did what she did at Google, right? She was with Google a long time, right? And Google obviously became a very successful company. And I have to assume she had some hand in that. She's going to take Yahoo and turn it into, if you will, a Google. Right now, Hmm. Yahoo's biggest problem is, is what does Yahoo even do, right? They're a search engine. Most people just think of them as a search engine, right? I mean, when you think of Yahoo, yeah, probably. I mean, I, yeah. you could argue, well, so is Google. But no, I would say not. People think of Google as all these services and products, maps. And yeah, people think of Google as a search engine primarily, though. Sure, they, but, when, they, but they Google things, right? They yeah, don't that, that's true, that's true. Things, but you right? still think about them making a phone and you think about them having Google Maps. You think about them as, as, a, as a company with, with search. How about this? Search products. Multiple mm-hmm. search products, right? Sure. So Yahoo right now doesn't really have that. People don't, people don't go to Yahoo for something. And I think what she's trying to do, at least this is my quick cursory guess, is that she's getting Tumblr, so now they can have a blog, social, communicative platform of users, right? Tying mm-hmm. it into all these other things. Now Flickr is coming back, right? They want to get the photos going. They basically want to turn it into a platform. And... I don't know what other acquisitions are next, and I assume there'll be more, but mm-hmm. I think eventually the, the goal of this is to make Yahoo the destination. When you're blogging, when you're communicating, when you're taking your photos, when you're checking your mail, when you're searching, it's your destination. Is there any hope for competing in search against Google? That, that seems like a tough call. Yeah, I know. I mean, I have to say, I'm so so trustworthy of Google and so like trained to use them. Mm-hmm. I don't see why I would switch to someone else, but yeah. I, I'm going to say a crazy statement. I don't know that that part matters. In other words, if I go to Google for my search, but let's say they get really good with photos and they get really good with this blogging thing and I'm using Yahoo for other stuff, mm-hmm. that's fine. I mean, I use Google and I use Twitter. I use Google and I use Instagram, right? Like I use multiple services. Maybe... That's another thing she's trying to get away from. Maybe, like, Yahoo won't just be a search thing. It'll be all of these services. But whatever she's doing, she's doing something, and you've got to admire that. So Yahoo's basically a, a company that, that has some cool services. I think Yahoo right? is I mean, going no, to be an internet, more they're, they're going to be an internet services company that has products that are all tied together. Uh-huh. Okay. And one account, you know, to rule them all kind of thing. The way Google does it, right? Sure. Well, you know, <clears throat> Google has the company mission of, what is it, uh, um, or- organizing the world's information. 
mm-hmm. what then is Yahoo's com- company mission if um, what it's doing is basically just putting together some things that you what like? if their mission is to is to organize and categorize and categorize um, social information in other words Tumblr is a blog, right? Mm-hmm. Social, right? At the end of the day, it's social, right? Blogs are social. Um, photos, right? Flickr, social, right? Mm-hmm. Like I said, yeah. other acquisitions are probably coming. So what if they want to be like the ultimate social search engine? But they'd only be... It, They're going to be head up against Facebook and even Google. Like Google, I think, has acknowledged that that's the direction that they want. Oh, absolutely. Google Plus. Yeah. Even Google Hangouts that just came, uh, got updated. So, I mean, do you feel Yahoo might do their own, you know, Tumblr can count partially but would yahoo do try doing a real social network i mean yahoo has to like what else what else uh, here's the thing unless i'm completely off base what else would yahoo do i mean there is internet services company right so they either need to be improving search or improving social and i think they're going to improve both hmm they haven't really i mean they've shown some signs of improving social with the tumblr acquisition search in the past haven't they um Actually, farming yeah, Bing, Google as their. I think Bing also. Or Bing, Bing, Bing yeah. is Bing. What is it? Bing. Now? I think so. Yeah. Let me see. I'm trying doing a search and see what I get. I thought it was Bing. I mean, right? Yeah. Powered by Bing. Yep. Bing. Yeah. So could I mean could Yahoo go head to head against Facebook on the social end and you know Google on both the search and the social end and win? I guess we'll find out. But. I definitely think the Tumblr acquisition, I, I, I get it. I get why they did it. I mean, they get a ton of users. They get a platform that people like. They get all of this stuff, right? They get the people. And, you know, for whatever you want to say, I like the comment that Marissa Meyer said about we're not going to screw this up. You know, they're running it as is. This isn't something that we're asking them to move to California. You know, we acquired the company and we acquired what we acquired and we're not touching it. I mean, time will show what that is. Yeah, because that's you gotta, what they always say. It, yeah. yeah, but they, I don't, they're, they're, it's not always said that from a CEO in a statement, is it? Mm-hmm, sure. Has it been said before? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it feels like something new and different. Seems like. Huh, okay. Well, I think for Yahoo especially, given the acquisitions <coughs> and how much they've messed some of oh, them yeah. up in the well, past. Well, look at Tumblr. It seems like a... Yeah, it seems like a good oh, sorry, PR flicker. Move one way or look another. Look at Flickr, yeah. yeah exactly, yeah. yeah PR, good PR move to see. And time will tell. Time will tell. But let's say they don't screw it up and they do run it as is and they actually do let them grow. That's pretty cool, right? Then they acquired it. It's theirs. They have it to tie into their business, into their into their future. And look, it's a lot of money. So you can argue, well, the Tumblr CEO just wanted money to cash out. But from all I can read about this guy and from stuff that Marco and other people said, he didn't care about the money. I mean, sure, everyone cares about the money, especially when $1 billion is in front of your face. But mm. I really get this impression that he he wouldn't have sold to a company. Look, he, if he could get one billion from Yahoo, then I'm sure he could get one billion from someone else. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me that he went with Yahoo for a reason, and he seems like a very picky kind of guy. So I I still I have a lot. I've always had a lot of love for Yahoo, and I still have love for them. I I'm interested to see what they're going to do, and I think they're going to do some good things. Yeah. I mean, do you feel positive about what they're doing, or you don't really like them? I I want to like them, but it's been a long, long time since I even really notice their existence right okay so yahoo is so completely irrelevant no no that's fine so they may not have anything that you like today but they're not a company that you dislike or a company that like you you have a problem with right no not at all okay right good good they've been a big cipher for a long time absolutely so i would like to see them bounce back yeah they've been a void i mean totally right like like and, and just so you know, like full disclaimer, my wife actually worked for them in the beginning. She like helped start them up many years ago and worked for them oh, for cool. many years. Yeah. So 
I definitely, I know a lot about the company internally and I know a lot about the company in the sense of like their history, like from the beginning, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I like them as a company. I think they have a great brand, right? They have a great reputation. Would you agree there as well? Like, like in terms of what you think of them quickly, when someone says Yahoo, you may not like their product, but you don't think of them as a bad company, right? Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think of them as a company that flailed around for a lot of years, though. Absolutely, yeah. Well, poor yeah. management, dude. I mean, mm -hmm. there's sure. there's stories. And that's part of yeah. their reputation, though. I mean, they, exactly. They have a reputation as flailers. Exactly, but I mean, hiring Marissa Meyer from Google was a huge risk for them, right? Like huge, right? She never was CEO, and she never. I mean, sure, she proved herself at Google, but to just go and hire someone like that into a CEO position, I think that took a lot of chutzpah from the board. Mm -hmm. So it did. It did. So let's they say they were I mean, in a let, case where no other option would do. They had to. They had I actually to think she was the best option because basically Google's their biggest competitor. She was the products person at Google and a marketing mm -hmm. person extraordinaire. Right. Why wouldn't they want her? Right. So yeah. I, I just I, I definitely am rooting for her. I assume you are, too. Oh, and, of course. Yeah. And, and you as well, Jonathan. And, you know, I hope them I wish them a lot of success. Well, we'll just have to wait so and see. So if you look at the uh, PR releases for Yahoo, I think it's fascinating. It says, Yahoo is focused on making the world's daily habits inspiring and entertaining. Ah, okay. So they want you to go online every day and do something fun, which that's a, yeah. that's a good company mission. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know what's kind of cool, actually, now hearing that? So let's say their, their mission is, you know, go on Tumblr and blog to people about what you're doing, right? go here and see this, catch up on your movies or whatever, right? Like where it's almost like, not a treasure hunt, but it's almost like a daily thing that you should do, right? That would, that would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, 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 I'm definitely rooting for them. Speaking of daily things that you should do, we should probably talk about our sponsor this week. Oh, yes. We have a very excellent sponsor. It's actually a product I use myself. Um, the app is called Checkbook Pro, and the developer has a funny name, which is a cool name called Splasm Software. S-P-L-A-S-M. Did I get that right? You got it right. Splasm, Splasm. Software. Cool. So Checkbook Pro, basically, it's, um, it's a personal finance manager for Mac OS X. They're working on an iOS app right now. And what I use it for is I actually use it for all of my Flexibits business, for all of the incorporation stuff. I track my income, you know, our expenses, you know, pluses and minuses. And then I have everything for the end of the year. And the nice thing about it is it just makes it really easy to figure out where I'm spending my money, what the income is, and all of that. Obviously, if you use it for personal finances, you can see what you're spending too much money on and get your totals ready for taxes. And it's really an easy app. I mean, it's I use it, right? So if I've been using it for a few years for Flexibits, you can imagine it's a good app, and it's very powerful. Um, you checked it out, Brent, quickly. I know you're not using it, but overall, it looks nice, right? Yeah, I don't actually d handle the money in my house, so uh, <laughs> so I won't use use this app. But uh, if I did handle the money, uh, I would be taking taking a very close look at this. It looked pretty darn cool. Uh, I noticed that it's you know, there's that iOS app is in development, and they've just updated to version 2.5, and it's on sale for 19.99 until the middle of June, which sounds like a pretty nice deal to me. Yeah, uh, it is. And if I were in the market for this kind of thing, I would, I would probably just, yeah, I'd just go ahead and buy it. Yep, and 2.5 I just got as well. They have some really cool things in 2.5, including cloud syncing. So if you want to be able to sync oh, your, nice. your accounts between your Macs, it's really nice. And obviously with the iOS app, that'll include some nice things. Indeed, very important stuff. So yeah, so uh, Checkbook Pro, thanks a lot for sponsoring us, guys. Um, definitely uh, go get it and check it out. There is a free trial, and it's on sale until 19 dollars until the middle of June. And uh, you have the URL, Brett? 
splasm.com slash checkbook pro. Checkbook pro is all lowercase, all one word. Yep, that's it. So uh, thanks again for sponsoring us. And we'll put that in the show notes too. Splasm software. Splasm. All right, so Jonathan. Yes. You have a little tiny awesome company named Tumult. And uh, Tumult uh, Inc., I think, is actually the full name. Is that correct? We are, in fact, incorporated. Yes. So what was very interesting about you is you started the company with Ryan Nielsen, if I correct again. You are correct. And you guys were originally both at Apple previously, and you decided to make a huge leap of faith and do the indie thing. Is that also correct? <laughs> I'm not sure I would call it a leap of faith. Oh, call it a leap of faith. That makes it much more exciting. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's hear your story. Okay, well, I'll tell you Ryan's story because... Because um, he's not here to defend himself. He's not here to defend himself, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, we had talked... Actually, let, let, me, let me tell you the, uh, the full story of how the company got off the ground. Yeah, please. Um, so, well, actually, our, our main product is called Hype. And Hype is a HTML5 animation builder for Mac OS X. Um, lets graphic designers do all kinds of uh, great stuff, whether it's... Um, like an animated website, uh, educational content, advertisements, infographics, you can do all of it. Um, and so I started out wanting to do a photo album. I had just gone on a trip to Europe, and I really like taking lots of photos, taking lots of videos. And then when I come back, putting them together in a way that, you know, maybe hasn't been done. Most photo albums online really are just a grid of photos. Nowadays, they're trying to make the relevant ones larger and other ones smaller. But for the most part, it's a grid, and I think that's really boring. Yeah, I'd rather when people look at my photos online to think of it as looking through a beautifully bound album, like a physical album, which has interesting layout and interesting mechanics. Um, so I wanted to create one of something like that was akin to an album, but on a website. And at this time, which was, I guess, about three years ago now, there was a lot of hype, no pun intended, <laughs> about HTML5 being um, a great way to do animated content on the web. So I thought, okay, I'm going to use all these new technologies. I'm going to use CSS animations um, or transitions, I guess, at the time. And really, you know, make this photo album alive. And so I started coding up a site, and I realized it was going to be a pain in the neck to do all this hand coding. Right, right. Um, so we're we're already clear. explicit, by the way, so you can say... Uh, pain in the a ass. Fucking pain yeah, in the exactly. Neck, yeah. yeah, a shitstorm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That just puts all kinds of imagery in my head. I don't really want to go there because <laughs> you were there. <laughs> so it became really obvious, really clear that you know there would be a tool like Flash that would be used to make HTML5 animations, and then it became clear there were none at that point. So someone was going to do it, and. Um, I thought, well, might as well be us. Like, Ryan and I were friends from Apple. We had known each other for, I don't know, five or six years previously. We were in the same basic organization there. Um, And so the story with him is he went climbing in Nepal, and at, you know, Mount Everest, he had this, you know, come-to moment where he decided, yes, he needed to leave Apple and start a company with me. So that's that's his uh, creation story. (laughs) All right. So, you know, maybe it was divinely inspired, I don't know. Um, and God said, let there be hype. Exactly. Well, the, uh, the, uh, the deities at uh, wherever he was climbing, Nepal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Ah, oh, was there music and, and lights and stuff? When when I believe I believe there may have been some music and lights. Um, you'd have to ask him about. You that. can animate it with hype, of course. Sounds like oxygen deprivation. <laughs> Perhaps it was that in, in reality. He got to the top and he started hallucinating. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so but anyway, so then you had this idea, and then you and Ryan came together, and you were like, "We're doing this, right?" That's pretty much how it. So worked. the short version, because you know we always like to inspire our listeners if they're thinking about going indie. I mean, how'd you do it? Obviously, you're working at Apple. You have a job. You, uh, whether you like it or not, that's not important. But the point is, you have a job that's paying you a paycheck with a good company. What What do you do to make that leap? And and like I said, you know, to me, it's 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 a pretty good leap. I mean, obviously, you wanted to make this app, but it's still a big leap to just leave your job and do this. So I don't know if I have a short story. The long story, really is that I've always wanted to start my own company. So it was always on my radar okay. for me to Excellent. do. Um, in fact, Apple is really a detour from starting my own company. I was imagining when I graduated uh, college, I would just go and take the plunge. Um, and to cover my bases, I applied at a few places, including Apple, and I realized I couldn't turn Apple down. So Apple was a six-and-a-half-year detour for me from starting my own company. But a valuable detour. Um, was a it very good training detour. and so yeah. on? Yeah. Uh, it gave me a lot of confidence mm-hmm. in myself and the the code that I write, the ability to um, have and run a team. Mm. Um, but beyond that, I worked with some really talented and smart people and had some really amazing uh, managers and directors when I was there, too. Ah, that's great. Who, you know, both taught me that I could do more than I thought was capable and also taught me how to teach people to do more than what they think is capable mm-hmm. that helps that helps a lot that is great so you know there was the, that combination so you know there was that i think one of the things that made the the leap less of a leap was this was a very clear idea it was a clear positive win that there was this big wave of html5 that was coming and we were going to ride the wave we're always going to be on the bleeding edge of web technologies and we're just going to take that as far as it can go and you know, from a startup perspective, because we're very much in the startup world in San Francisco, I feel like there's often product companies where you have a specific product, and we're very much that, and we sell our product, and we make money by selling the product. And then there are people who start companies with some sort of thesis on, this is how I believe humans behave. I'm going to build something around that and see if my thesis checks out. So we had a very clear product. It wasn't that we thought this may or may not catch on. It was obvious this was a hole in the market that needed to be filled. Mm. And so I think when you go and do your own thing, I really like the big, clear, easy wins, and that's where you're going to have success. If you're uncertain, you know, you may hit the jackpot. You know, but then again, you it's may interesting not. that you say that because like part of the success with Fantastical is I wanted this app and the app didn't exist. I mean, sure, calendar apps existed, but even in your case, nothing existed to do that as far as I know, right? Well, I mean, you can make arguments on what did and did not. I mean, clearly Flash existed, which cover something but you can't run I guess that's the, I guess that's really a good point what didn't exist is the way you wanted it to be right exactly. yeah and same with me with Fantastical so you really had this vision for an app and you knew the way it should work and you knew what it should create and you knew what type of output and you know everything and you went and did it and obviously it was successful so I think that's really important like as the takeaway is if you really want to do this thing and you really have something that you want and you go and do it that's kind of the way to do it yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the most successful wins you're going to have in your life are just the clear ones where it's a particular void. You solve the void and, you know, there's no no questions. Yeah, I agree. And 
you know, I've spoken at conferences and with people that they'll say, oh, I've been thinking about doing this thing and they'll tell me their idea and the idea is great. And I'm like, dude, you should do Ah, but I don't know. And it's so funny because it really is the biggest limiter, I think, of success is the person itself, like not believing in their own idea. Right. Because if the idea is really good, then at least go for it. Right. I mean, sure, you have other things like family and house and things you have to do potentially. But, you know, if you really are so strongly feeling about doing something, you should give it a shot. Like. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously you and I have and Brent has, but I just think it's so important that if something's really on your brain to do, then do it. Like, give it a try. If you fail, so be it. Maybe you could try again or not, but at least try it. You'll never know until you try. Yeah. And I think the one of the interesting things, too, is if you're starting something new and let's say you've never really shipped an app to the public before, people help you out more than you think, whether it's friends and family or even just that very first core group of alpha and beta testers they give you a lot of feedback and so if you're worried about doing something wrong not making the product good enough or not hitting the marks as long as you really listen to that feedback and as long as the feedback says this is useful but listen to those buts and figure out you know from that point what are you missing what are you lacking what really needs to be in version (coughs) 1.0 yeah Um, and that's some of the most useful feedback you're going to get like you're not going to be in this alone. It wasn't all of a sudden that, you know, Ryan and I left, decided to do this app, and then, you know, shipped it six months later. There was a whole series of testing of feedback that we got that really helped the app and figure out, you know, what needs to be in 1.0 to make 1.0 a successful product. Yeah, for sure. It takes a village to raise an app. (laughs) And sometimes it takes an app to raise a village. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. I'll what are you, you talking about? I'll show you research on this. Okay. All right. So anyway, that's so that's pretty awesome. So now you have your product hype. It's been out for a while. Obviously, I love it. In fact, that's actually how we met, if you remember. Um, I think testing or something like that. But I, I, it's part of how we met. And I use it. I think it's Michael. A great were app. you torturing these, this poor this poor man? I don't know. Was I? He'll have to tell you that. Mm-hmm. I know there were a number of. Of bugs, I think you even may have commented on a misspelling somewhere, or maybe it was a capitalization of text was wrong. I, I, I recall it was one of your early bugs. Wow, that's that's pretty good. At least at least he remembers something I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fit and finish, very important. Fit and finish, the most most important. So okay, that's great. That's why so we have, have Michael. Yep. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I, I, I love doing it. Why not, right? Yeah. So it's funny, you know, some developers, when you report stuff, they get their panties in a bunch. So I'll report like a typo or something like that. And like, they'll either get back to me and they're like, oh, yeah, I'll look into it. And then I'll, and then I'll see it again and I'll report it. And they'll be like, we already know about it. Stop reporting it. It's like, dude, it's a typo. Like, what does it take you? Eight seconds to fix? So then I stop, obviously. But mm-hmm. I'll never understand that kind of developer. I'll never get it. Yeah, yeah. You know, my, my, the, one of my favorite things in the world to do, um, and it doesn't happen often, but is someone will write in either with a feature request or a bug, but usually a, a feature request, and they'll have such a great idea that I'll just go ahead and implement it right then and there. And then on my first reply, I say, here's a beta version. Check it out. That's what we do. Love. That's what we do. It's the best because then you surprise and delight the tester, right? And then guess what? If they took enough time and passion to actually contact you and do that, then they're going to do it again in the future. And guess what? Built-in free tester, built-in free promoter, built-in free evangelizer, and you made someone happy. What's, what's, what's wrong with that? Exactly. I, when, I, when I did that, I would often um, uh, put the beta build up and give the file name, put their name in the file name. So it would be, you know... Uh, that newswire be something for you know Joe or whatever, 
mm-hmm. and and they'd actually download that. So it was just you know another step, um, and people love that. I think you know having the download actually have their name on it. You should actually just change the app to their name and then ship it with their name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And just go all the way at that it, point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in my beta release notes, I'll usually say, um, and this is only in the beta notes, but I'll put in parentheses for anything we added or changed. I'll say thanks to the person's first name and, yeah. and last initial. Oh, I don't do that. I just take full credit for, for finding it. <laughs> all right. Well, cool. So, all right. So, Tumult Hype, you got to check it out. Obviously, we'll have the um, link in the show notes, tumult.com slash hype. And then basically, now you guys have grown, right? Because it's more than just you two now, right? Yeah. One of the first orders of businesses, when we shipped version 1.0, um, things actually went pretty well for us, and we uh, started having to um, answer questions from users, whether it was um, you know, feature requests, um, purchasing issues, or bug reports. So one of our first orders of business was um, to hire someone to help with community and help with support. Um, and so we have someone who, we call him the um, Prince of support, but he does so much more <laughs> than just support. He's been helping us do um, videos and documentation. Uh, so we have someone there, and we also have a, another full-time software engineer. Right so on. what are what are their names? Uh, so that's Daniel and Stephen. Daniel and Stephen. Cool. Hello, Daniel and Stephen. Hi, Daniel and Stephen. I hope you're listening because your I boss keep, is on uh, the radio. I keep, um, and I, I'm going to say this, so I hope he doesn't think that I meet them like doing it intentionally. But I keep like turning down Jonathan's invite to come to the office and meet everyone so the thing is now that there's like four people by the time i actually like find time to come to the office it'll be like 20 people or something <laughs> is your office in san francisco yeah we're in the hayes valley neighborhood and they have francisco. an awesome office so I've seen photos of it Beautiful. so where is that yeah, neighborhood we, we, i, I uh, it's pretty central if you were to type in san francisco mm-hmm. on google maps um it would be a couple blocks away okay from there yeah, cool um yeah and we've got i'd like to say it's a basement office but it's um it actually gets a lot of natural light but it's we call it the catacombs and that's because it's all brick and there are these um lights on the bottom that shine up on the brick so it looks like you know the parisian catacombs pretty much minus the skulls uh (laughs) you 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 should but at some point we'll throw should get some skulls in there yeah just think of that why don't you get skulls and put skulls in there make it really really traditional Mm -hmm. yeah you can skip the rats though you don't have to do rats and and the disease too we don't want that either no 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 but skulls skulls are cool all right, well, that's cool. So um, I guess we'll get into a little WWDC stuff because, you know, we're getting, we're actually doing really good on time today, which is So good. there's a party every night at the catacombs, apparently, for yeah. WWDC. <laughs> or at least I've just invited everyone. <laughs> You'll have to have uh, your support guy at the door, um, Jonathan, to, you know, bounce everyone away from Brent's invite. <laughs> We'll just lock the doors, and um, oh. then it won't be a problem. Yeah, I don't All right. Know. So for WWDC, we'll keep Probably it kind of quick. Because no matter what we talk about, <laughs> no matter what we talk about with predictions, we'll either be right or wrong. And it really doesn't matter anyway. But it's still fun to talk. So Brent, I predict I'm going to have a great week. Yeah. Yeah, just because I always do. Okay. Well, is that it? Is that all you got? Well, what's Apple going to do? Is that really what we're interested in? I suppose it is. I mean, we can talk about whatever. It's just you know, it's yeah. pre, it's it's WWDC pre crime, right? Right. Uh, well, I'm really looking forward to Alt-WWDC, looking forward to the live talk show, looking forward to, you know, just various parties and things. Actually, about Alt-WWDC, did you see the labs that they announced? No. So they're going to be doing labs, actually. And uh, one of the labs I'm actually excited That's about, brilliant. I know this because, you know, Hockey App, mm-hmm. we're doing a crash debugging lab on Wednesday the 12th. 
Okay. So on Wednesday the 12th, between 1 and 5, actually Thomas from my team at Hockey App, and mm-hmm. I think you've probably heard of Landon Fuller. He wrote PL Crash Reporter, Plausible sure. Labs. Yep. Um, and someone named Greg Cooksey um, are going to be doing crash-related questions in labs. So you've got a problem nice. with bugs or you can't figure out anything with crashes, full crash debug lab at Alt WWDC. Wednesday the 12th at 1 to 5. So sometime in the hours of 1 to 5, I'm not sure, um, I'll be speaking at Alt WWDC. Oh, is it on um, that Wednesday, the 12th? Yeah, I, I believe it is on that Wednesday. So go to the labs, come back, watch me speak, then go back to the labs. Excellent. Yeah. And then, and then actually hear Brent speak and then, you know, come to the labs and then hear Brent speak and then Brent will come to the labs to find out about how to, I don't know, fix crashes. My app doesn't crash. Ever? Well, not once I ship it. All right. I was going to say, if it doesn't crash, you're doing it wrong. Give me a break. What know. do you mean, if it doesn't crash, I'm doing it wrong? Wait a minute. I think I'm doing it right if it doesn't crash. Well, I wouldn't know. I haven't been able to test it yet and see if it crashes. <laughs> All right. So, but anyway, any other product? All right. So, so what do you think about iOS 7 and OS 10? Or I don't know, anything, any, anything that you just want to kind of get out there now before the crime? So I'm really interested in iOS 7. So I wonder, number one, are we going to get, you know, just um, cosmetic makeovers, right? Is it going to be flatter or, or whatever? You know, yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. speculates that Jonathan and I will get rid of this stitched leather and all that kind of stuff. But I also wonder if we're going to get changes in how things work. Uh, one thing that seems to come up frequently is popovers, which exist on iPad, but not on iPhone. And yet a lot of apps, they just go ahead and make their own custom popovers. It seems to me at this point, that ought to be something that exists for the iPhone, you know, an actual part of UI kit that works on iPhone. Um, and, and there are other things too. Um, and so I just wonder how much of that we're actually going to see, how many actual changes to the way things work. So actual functional changes, mm-hmm. uh, toolkit SDK changes. Yeah. Oh, another big thing is uh, every app has a, has one of those, you know, sidebar things. Some people call it the, the basement or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So common. It, but Where know, do these uh, things even come from? Hamburger menu. Oh, there's three lines. Looks like a hamburger. Whole we'll hamburger menu. Now uh, you know, to talk about. What is the longest time I thought it was a hot dog. Turns out it's a hamburger. For the longest time, I thought it was three lines, okay? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Well, you know, no, I, that's, that's reasonable, and I agree with you. What about you, Jonathan? Uh, uh, or anything OS ten, Brent, really quick? I just wonder how late it's going to be. OS 10. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, and the other big thing I'm looking at is iCloud syncing. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of talk about uh, iCloud core data syncing pretty much sucking. Um, and also the UI document syncing not working very well. So much so that Omni wrote, went ahead and wrote their own thing, Omnipresence, which they have just released. Um, and I bet Omni's works really, really, really well. Mm. So, what you know, what's Apple going to do there? Syncing is massively important these days yeah and apple has to know that uh their stuff isn't really working yes so we'll see what they say okay fair enough uh jonathan well i think to say syncing is massively important is almost an understatement um to tell you the truth and so if apple's not 100 percent focused on what icloud is going to be i think that's a huge huge uh, gap in their strategy. If you look at, you know, what is the big challenge facing the entire computer industry or the entire technology industry? I think it's getting all your data across all your devices instantly. Um, I think that extends to cloud platforms, to f- extends to the devices, extends to 
you know, the cellular companies and towers and data. Um, and so I, I think that's, you know, what's going to be challenging the industry for the next 20 to 50 years. Um, and if Apple doesn't have a platform people have confidence in, if Apple doesn't have a platform that people use, um, that makes sense. Uh, then I think that will be a major problem for Apple long-term strategic. Right, what about a crazy, you know, this crazy Apple rumor site, but this is like a crazy Apple rumor that could happen. What if Apple partners with Yahoo and decide, and changes everything to be Yahoo services and announces that they're no longer doing iCloud or internet services and it's all through Yahoo? Does Yahoo have crazy. any major cloud platform? Well, maybe they do now. Maybe they're, maybe they're <laughs> getting, maybe they will be responsible for running Apple's services you know they're acquiring iCloud so to speak or they'll be running it and you know they Tim Cook apologizes for how crappily they've done it and they're going to actually <laughs> hand it off to someone who can do it that shouldn't be Yahoo though it should be Microsoft <laughs> Windows Azure mobile services absolutely right? it should be yeah Microsoft is turning into a great cloud platform services company and all right so exactly fine what Microsoft they need to do, right? uh, Micro yeah. that's actually a good call it's right, so a fine Microsoft but let's say handing off the web to someone else. What do you think about that? Crazy? I don't think that's crazy at all. Um, all right. Just throwing I, it out there. Popped in my head and throwing it out. Yeah. I, I somewhat agree. I mean, Apple doesn't have, like Apple hasn't really gotten the web at all since its inception, but if Apple provides a platform to let other people, um, whether it's one exclusively, which would be Microsoft or, you know, opens it up for Dropbox to really um, integrate extremely well into iOS and Mac OS X. Um. So internet services, I think, is run by Eddie Q. Is that right? I'm going off of memory here. I think that's right. Yes. Because I know he was the iTunes dude or whatever. Yeah. Um, the problem, as, as I see it, someone had actually asked me, well, what do you, why do you think Apple can't get this going, right? It's simple. It's the leadership, right? So Tim Cook doesn't run anything, right? He runs the company, and then he has people to run each group to do a good job, right? And obviously, whoever runs the hardware group does a great job. Whoever runs the software group does a great job, whatever, right? I mean, obviously, we can argue that. But my point is, is with the internet services, who's ever running it really either isn't good at running it, communicative at running it, or doesn't have the correct power to run it, right? It's clearly a from-the-top thing, because Apple could do this right. They have enough resources, Right. They pretty much have unlimited sure, money. They have the resources. Right. So it's obviously a political reason that they can't do it. And what's kind of interesting is, is they keep kind of like iCloud is like, it's like it could be there. It's getting close. Like iCloud's the best attempt they've done. But I don't get why they don't get that it's not successful. Like it's definitely, I'm just saying it's definitely a political thing. It's a power thing. It's not a resource thing. Hmm. Because why well, can't Apple so do you know that? the the problem with iCloud though isn't isn't all just that internet services are difficult to run and Apple hasn't always done a great job. Uh, the problem with iCloud also is the the APIs for developers. Um, it's the conception of the entire thing, which didn't probably start with Eddie Q. It probably started you know somewhere in um, in some frameworks team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, you know, there's this long legacy, right? Because they've had um, they've had this for a long time, right? They've had, uh, I mean, obviously, heck, Apple was one of the first with Apple Link, right? So, mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> not that any of this code's legacy to Apple Link, although I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> uh, but my point is, it's running, you know, some 300 baud code or something, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, my point is, is like, I, I just, they've been working on this so long and they have so much resources that for them to not have it right by now, it obviously shows a structural problem well i think one of the big problems here just may be the 
the mandate to eat their own dog food isn't quite strong enough. Mm-hmm. You know, if if it had to be that their apps use this stuff and well, didn't use any private APIs and relied yeah, on it, that's true. Then that's true. I think it w- it would do a lot better. Well, what it really boils down to also is, is, I mean, you know, dog food, let's say Tim Cook does use it, or let's say Eddie Q does use it. Maybe he's not using, and I know what you're saying, the developers are actually like write pages and they have to implement file sharing and they have private API so they can do it, that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. that's what you have to remember is that the developers don't get the say, right? The, the people who are writing the apps or the stuff that leverage these private frameworks, they don't necessarily get the say, right? It's the executives. And maybe the executives are actually eating the dog food, but they're, what they're using, mail, calendar, syncing, whatever, they're like, well, this works. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think they get to the level where they read all these blog posts or hear about all these complaints that developers... I think they do. You really do? I know they do. Well, then why don't they do something about it? <laughs> well, that's not to say that they don't try. Um, but most issues do get escalated, and you know, most people really do read quite a bit. Well, I mean, WWDC, hopefully, if something is addressed with iCloud file syncing, then we'll know that they read it and did something about it, right? Because that's the thing. I mean, you know, last WWDC, they said that by now you'd be having you know, iCloud file sharing working, and you just don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the uh, the dog food issue, especially when you talk about the kind of developer end of iCloud, because iCloud, first of all, was very confusing messaging because iCloud is many different things. It's, you know, iTunes syncing photo streams, documents in the cloud, contacts, calendar, mail. It's 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 many different things. But if you talk about really from our perspective, the developer end of it, which is the APIs, the um, the documents in the cloud, whether it's um, key value store, uh, the actual document saving or um the core data syncing, those, those are really problematic from a developer's perspective for many issues. Um, but one of the bigger one is that there are no major Apple apps um, that use those in a significant way. Right. For instance, so, I think only so, so, trailers, the movie trailers app on the iPhone uses core data syncing, and that's like the only one. Yeah. So I think one of the, for Apple, you know, there's the question on how how do you measure it appropriately? And you can measure it by developer adoption. And I think Apple's in a real conundrum, even beyond the bugs that they have, on what and which developers would trust iCloud. The data in iCloud really is in isolation, both from a user perspective and even the application perspective, that you can't share data. You can't share data across different platforms. I mean, beyond the Apple platforms like you can't use that data on websites anywhere you can't use it to share between um, android and a ios device and from a developer perspective that can really paint them in the corner if they decide to adopt icloud versus something that um you know has more open apis such as dropbox Mm -hmm. and and there and that's a big problem and in this age where social is so huge there is nothing at all social built into this Mm -hmm. and and you can't build social on top of this the social either. that's built in are the hooks to facebook and twitter yeah right which but there's which, no... which which you know come on yeah we yeah. we don't have um... you have a tweet sheet and that's about yeah, all you have, exactly right? that's... you don't have the actual ability to get twitter stuff right so like you take my last app like uh glassboard which was you know social app private groups etc you couldn't build that on top of icloud yeah well, and you didn't. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. But how nice would it be, I, right. I think, if Apple did 
provide some kind of uh, services system where you could build apps like that. And, you know, it would not require of the user to make the real, the real use their, their Apple accounts. The real problem from what I see, and this is, you know, speaking as a non-programmer, right, from just seeing all of the stuff, because you're so close to it that you're trying to build your apps and then you're trying to find your solutions. It's just like, basically, they just need a file system to work on their cloud, right? And I know I'm simplifying it, but like, that seems to be what the root problem is, that you can't just get things reading and writing properly on their cloud, on their file system. Well, when you've got database syncing, it's a real, it's really different than that. Right, but the core problem that from, from all these apps that can't seem to have sync working, even with basic apps that just have like simple to dos and things, mm-hmm. it's they don't even have like simple file writing reading off of the cloud. Like when iDisk existed, right? Even when iDisk was there using what was it? Web well, what they call the that? .Mac SDK, you could read and write files directly yeah exactly yeah. but mm-hmm. what was what, yeah. what did they what did they what was the, web, web dev, dev. thank you mm-hmm. when they had web like that stuff worked you could put files there and you know i'm sure you didn't have locking or any kind of like checking but you could at least you could do stuff right like file I think web dev has atomic reads and writes oh I it think. does i think it does okay yeah. so but there you go so but it worked right on mm-hmm. some level there was a yeah. lot of iDisk syncing and then that just like went away i don't get that yeah i don't get it either but I believe Omnipresence is built on WebDAV's uh, locking capabilities. Speaking of which, Omnipresence looks really good. Yeah, I think so. I think they've done a hell of a job. I like that you have the you can use Omni's kind of central server, or you can host it yourself and have private data. Exactly. You can run it. You can run it on an OS X server. Does anyone still have an OS X server? No, but now they might. <laughs> yeah, right. I do. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I guess, you know, there's Mac Mini Colo, right? So it's not a it's not an X-serve, but yeah. So what I'd like to medium. know about Omnipresence is what's their plan with that? Because obviously it's for the Omni apps, right? Mm-hmm. But are they going to eventually, like, sell something that you can, as a third-party developer, use their sync server? Or is it just for Omni apps? Uh, I think this is for any developer to use. I don't know if we can use their, their service specifically, but... Right, they have an SDK and they have like a framework on GitHub and everything. But the question is, I mean, I'm assuming there has to be some business model behind this, right? Or not necessarily. I'm, I don't necessarily think that there is one. I think their business, of course, is to sell as many of their own products as possible. Right. And, but they've always believed in being extremely generous toward the community at large. I mean, they've that's, always published, that's you know, the fact. Omni framework is, is, frameworks are huge, right? There's a oh, yeah. lot of great code in there. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I basically think it's that. It's like this is one of those things like we developed it for ourselves. But if you like it as well, here you go. Yeah. yeah but we I just don't we won't it. we well, won't support it. But here you go. I would imagine there may be I'd have to look, but they to use their specific servers to the host data. That may be um, where they charge people and make money. That, that makes sense. So the more developers you have, the more, you know, the more apps using omnipresence, the more value it is for them because that incentivizes people to buy um, you know, centralized accounts. Yeah, definitely. And I was trying to find like if there's if there's some kind of income from this or some something that developers have to pay them because I actually think developers should pay them. Like if they're incentivized and there's a product there that develops developers will pay for, then hopefully they'll do even more development on it, right? Well, certainly they're going to do the development that they need to make sure that Focus and Omni Outliner and all those sync. And yeah, that's true. Uh, I, because I it's think, built in to sell yeah. their own products. Right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, okay, it's gotcha. massively important to them, as gotcha. it should be, right? Yeah, yeah of course. I, I just, for me, I, 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 if it's really going to be something that's as good of a solution as it seems, it would almost be worth it to create like 
another way of developers paying them. So they're both rewarded, compensated, and fortified to continue even more development. So I think it makes sense that, and I don't know if this is true or not, but if you could use their service, um, their hosting, that's when you would pay Omni. Um, But I don't think it would make sense to pay Omni just to use the framework and then host, host the service yourself. Interesting. Right? I mean, they'd probably get you know, really great recurring revenue. And as a developer, there are so many different free services that we could use. Um, for example, you know, like Hype right now actually uses Dropbox um, for certain certain features. Um, and Dropbox is free as a user. You get a certain amount of data. Um, and so we can provide that feature yeah. for free. Right, right. right. All right. Well, um, anything else at WWDC for you, Jonathan, or is that about it? Well, I think there's, um, you know, I think an updated UI for iOS, of course, makes sense. That's what the rumors have been saying. Um, You know what I would really love to see across all the different platforms? I would love to see better notifications syncing, and maybe that's an iCloud issue. Um, But I can't tell you how much of a pain in in the neck it is to have to go across so many different devices or websites and make sure that, you know, the little red bubble is always clear. So I'd I'd love to see... Synced notifications. notifications. Sync, yeah. sync notification badges, right, or alerts. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'll actually, I'm I'll, I, going out of turn, but I have to say one of the things I'm hoping they do is fix alarms. Right now, on an alarm, all you have is a snooze option, right? It's like snooze or close. You can't snooze it for an hour. You can't. You used to be able to on OS 10 for some reason in Lion and Mountain Lion. They've changed it, but I want timed snoozes back. Timed snoozes. All right. He wants synced notification alerts. I want timed snoozes. (laughs) All right. What else? Um, So that's it. That's it from your end, huh, Jonathan? Well, I think there. You know, there's always questions. It's a developer conference. Will there be a new version of Xcode? Um, Also, what about hardware? We haven't talked at all Mm -hmm. about Apple's going to release anything. I'm also curious to see um, how Objective C is evolving. There's usually some cool new stuff that makes life better compiler things and stuff yeah or you know changes to the syntax for you know things like you know arc obviously was a big deal uh recently we added um subscripting uh for arrays that kind of stuff very mm-hmm. nice um yeah yeah um, autosynthesis i mean there's a, there's a lot of cool changes that have been happening in objective c and so that part just feels like Christmas. You know, what, what cool new thing are they going to gonna have? I have no idea. But I look forward to it. Well, that's good. I hope they have better ways of signing and provisioning. Oh, and Jesus. Dealing yes. with the entire... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have brought that entire... <laughs> yeah. And let, let's, let's also... We're out of time, folks. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other, another big thing, I think developers run into problems with sandboxing on OS ten. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't bring that one up. <laughs> All right, so so I'm going to go with my prediction. Well, actually, let me go with my wishes because predictions mean nothing, right? All right. So iOS 7, I definitely want to see some changes, right? iOS is long in the tooth. It's really, for all intents and purposes, been the same for many years. And in many years, you know, we're only talking like three or four years or five years, but in computing terms, that's a long time. It's forever. So I definitely want to see, yeah, I definitely want to see something to improve, but not just for the sake of improving. I want to see a true improvement on iOS. OS 10. I mean, at this point, I think Mountain Lion's really good. I don't know what else they would change. What I'm hoping they don't change is the whole rumor mill that we've heard about them locking down Mountain Lion that, you know, apps won't be able to be installed from 
uh, the you know from the real world. I'm sure you've heard some of those rumors that it will have to be App Store only, and Apple will lock down your computer like iOS. You've heard those rumors? I have not. Uh, that just sounds like fear. There's no way that could work because developers have to do weird shit, and without developers being able to do weird shit, we can't make iPhone and Mac apps. So. Yeah, but you're going from the the logic of we've always made this stuff for the Mac. They can't take it away. If you think about how the iPhone works, there's a ton of stuff that does that today. The issue is I think Apple has always tried thinking of itself as a consumer electronics company. And only since, you know, the iPod, but maybe the iPhone, Apple really is a consumer electronics company. And they're starting to treat the Mac more of a consumer electronics device. And that's scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's sort of why I bring this up is because... This rumor, it actually, and I, I should go find it, but basically there had been a story that it wasn't really a rumor. Like Apple's plans, that's why sandboxing happened. I mean, you know about this, right, Jonathan? Like sandboxing happened in OS X to start to move towards the direction of iOS where Apple controls the whole operating system and basically it's for your security that all the apps have to be installed via the Mac App Store. Well, I think it's there's a matter of fear from Apple's part, too, right? And I don't think it's necessarily about control, but I think it's fear of Mac OS X turning into what Windows was 10 years ago mm-hmm. with viruses, computers being out of control. I think that fear is maybe a little bit unhealthy right now, but Apple sees sandboxing as a way to ensure that doesn't happen. Because if you look at the iPhone, that hasn't happened with the iPhone. There's... I don't know. Has there ever been any real legitimate malware on the nope. iPhone? Not yeah. unless your phone's jailbroken, which, you know, at that point, you have, you're on <laughs> your own. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so a lot of that can be attributed to the sandbox, which was there from day one right. on the iPhone. Well, and the other thing, I hate to say this, but the sandbox on iOS, for better or for worse, it has made the whole overall experience better, right? The whole, I'm not saying like the app store is perfect, but... It does work, right? They don't have these weird things of like, you know, your phone just coming down or things breaking other things. I'm not saying, uh, just t- take it for what I'm saying it as. The whole experience of iOS has been pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. So Apple, from what I heard about a year or so ago when the whole sandboxing thing was happening, and just so you know, another thing I'd like to throw out since we have the explicit tab, tag, I think it's a fucking piece of shit that Apple doesn't sandbox their own apps. Thank you. Fucking right. Thank you. So Say it too, right. Jonathan. Get it out. Come on. <laughs> That's priority number one with sandboxing is Apple really needs to play by. Well, speaking of, we were talking about dog food earlier. I mean, that's the ultimate, mm. right? That's the ultimate non-dog food thing. I would estimate about. They should eat their own shit sandwiches. Time yeah, those are definitely shit for, sandwiches. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say about 30% of the time last year has been spent dealing with sandboxing issues. And for a small company, that's a lot of time we've spent both because there are things we did that we can do or need to work around, and a large part because there have been significant issues and bugs. Yeah. So the other 70% yeah. of your time was spent uh, filling out your taxes, which are now so complicated. <laughs> 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 That's why we have an accountant. Oh, yeah. And uh, that accountant should be using Checkbook Pro from our sponsor, Splasm. <laughs> Checkbook Pro, really cool. Really simple, does what you need. Let me, uh, let me, well, I, you know, I got to give our sponsors plugs because they're very good to us. But let me, let me go back to what I was saying about the sandbox thing. So the thing is, so Apple doesn't sandbox their own apps. So they don't understand the problems that we have. And then when we have problems, they really don't care. It has to be sandbox, take it or leave it, right? But I do, I do hope that like 10.9, and just so you know, um, people apparently have seen internal builds or there's been like, 
you know, going to websites 10.10 already in testing. I don't know if you've heard this. But the point is, is I hope that we don't hear at WWDC that OS 10 is getting locked down further. I don't think so. They, Apple recognizes that some people need trucks and that, you know, the Mac is a, is a truck, you know? Yeah. So, you know what I would love to see for 10.9? Yeah, what's that? Um, and this involves sandboxing, but I think it's bigger than just sandboxing. 10.9 should be a free update. In fact, all Mac OS 10 updates, or I should say OS 10 because they drop that, all OS 10 All right, so what if, what if it's free. a free update and it locks yeah. down the system to like pure iOS sandboxing? Well, the locking down is no yeah. good. But so many of the issues with, you know, and, and this comes from sandboxing, but there's other implications, is that we had to do so much to get our app working with 10.7, and they fixed a lot of sandboxing issues in 10.8. Oh, I see. Um, but so many users are still on 10.7. Because they don't um, want to pay for 10.8. Exactly. And if you look at the adoption rate on iOS, which has... How does that make sense, though? They'll spend $70 or $60 on an app like Hype, but they won't spend 30 on an operating system that makes bugs better and, you know, overall things better? That's... that's. You know, honestly, we have considered when there are specific 10.7 bugs, we have considered... Just giving them, like, a, like a gift card or something? <laughs> exactly. Mm. Makes uh, sense in certain we, cases. We don't do that. No. I, <laughs> for the record, everyone listening, they don't do that. I, I, you're going you're gonna to regret saying that on this show somehow. <laughs> Wait for those support emails to come in, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. so anyway, yeah. So I hope that that's my second kind of wish is that I hope OS 10 doesn't get locked down. I do like Jonathan's idea of it going free because then adoption to the newest, the latest and greatest would be better. Um, sure. And then for iCloud, I mean, obviously, same as what you guys said. I'd love to see it finally get to where it should be, whether that means handing it off to someone or fixing it finally or having a big announcement. I think it's time that iCloud starts working like Dropbox. I think it's time it starts working like Omnipresence, right? It starts working and actually becomes a viable file system sync platform. Um, And then hardware, which neither of you talked about. I think there's going to be a lot of new hardware at WWDC. Really? Do they ever announce hardware at WWDC? They have in the past, yeah. Have they? Okay. Yep. And here's why I think there's going to be a lot of hardware. And maybe I'll be wrong, but don't you guys find it incredibly weird how quiet it's been from Apple in the last seven, eight, nine months? I mean, think about it. Since the iPad mini, right? There's been no announcement since the iPad mini. And when did the iPad mini come out? In like October? Yeah. I guess the iPhone 5 and mini were the last two things. Yeah. So basically November, December, January, February, March, April, May, we're on over seven plus months, right? Seven months of no product announcements, nothing. Mm -hmm. So if they don't do it at WWDC, and okay, fine, maybe they won't. I'm just, again, it's guessing. Then when's the next time that they announce new products? In September, right? Well, I I thought in one of those earnings calls or something, uh, Tim or somebody alluded to new products in the fall. Well, that may be, but the thing is, are they really just going to go for a year with no new products? A full year? Yeah, maybe. All right, well, maybe. But that would be crazy, right? I mean, they've never done that before, ever. Right. So we'll see. So I think if you look at some of the things that are long in the tooth, we can clearly talk about the Mac Pro, whether they would spend any time on that or not. I would doubt, given the keynotes, pretty much a 90-minute commercial, why spend you know, any, any second? Yeah, but imagine if they Pro, announce a brand-new Mac Pro at a developer's conference, right? Again, do it at either one of the side panels or as an additional release. Like, mm-hmm. everyone's going to watch the keynote, so... You know, how much of Apple's revenue does the Mac Pro actually even account for nowadays? Yeah, that's a small number. But it's been a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been a really long time. The the original uh, Retina Retina MacBook Pro, wasn't that announced at WWDC? Yeah, okay. Makes sense. And so that's been been a year since that's actually 
been updated. And just so right? you know, I was looking on uh, Mac Rumors. You know, they have the great buyer's guide. The last time the Mac Pro was updated was literally, uh, well, I mean, if you want to go for like the major update, obviously, a long, long time. But it has not had a release in over like over a year. Mm-hmm. Not even a minor release. Yeah. Just crazy. And then what you were saying about the uh, MacBook Pro, the Retina MacBook Pro was done, yeah, last WWDC. And then they've had, they've had um, two updates since. They had one in October. Oh, and there was one in February, actually, this year. The Retina MacBook Pro had a, had a minor update. Um, mm, okay. When did they announce the 13-inch? Uh, um, let's one. see. 13-inch was announced on... Doing some research. Hold on. I think it was October 2012. Yeah, October 2012. So... Yeah, so I guess there were some product announcements after the iPad Mini. So yeah, the oh, um, you know the 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 iMac, the latest iMac was a that's pretty right. significant thing, um, and with the Fusion Drive and the super. Well, if you remember, the latest iMac thing. actually got announced in it was actually announced uh, like in May. And oh, then was remember it they really? had a problem. They had like a problem shipping it or something like that. It was a little mm-hmm. bit later, and then you remember the shipping was really constrained. Yeah, I do. I had to wait like two months for mine, or a month or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it said here that uh, so basically in November they were finally ready to order. So essentially, we just haven't had anything new in this calendar year. Yeah. But that's still, I mean, five months is a long time for Apple. Sure, it is. So I I think there's going to be some new hardware. My guess is Retina MacBook Air. That's my guess. I'd love that. That and a Retina iPad Mini. Yep. Why not? And maybe they will. Maybe they'll do, maybe it'll be Retina iPad Mini, iPhone 4S, and Retina MacBook Air. What do you think? I'd love to see nothing more than a Retina MacBook Air and a Retina iPad Mini. Yeah. But really, the question is, are the trade-offs there yet as far as battery life and performance? Graphics processor power. Yeah. yeah, I have no idea. Exactly. I, you know, for a Retina iPad Mini, so the original iPad Mini was, what did you say, October, November? That's when it was released. I mean, that's been seven, eight months. Mm-hmm. I would find it hard to believe that there would be a Retina iPad Mini so soon. Um, Retina MacBook Air again. It's or can they make the tr- the engineering trade offs for that? One of the things I love about the 13 inch Air is how much battery life it gets. I wouldn't trade that for oh, yeah. anything. Yeah, I'm a 13 inch Air user myself, and man, I love the hell out of this computer. It is so nice. I I couldn't use a, anything heavier. Yeah, and I got to tell you, MacBook Air. Like people will say to me all the time, "How do you use that? You know, don't you do this? Isn't this what you do for a living?" It is the best, 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 best MacBook they've ever made. The weight is perfect. The size is perfect. The performance is perfect with the flash. I would just love to have the Retina for, you know, doing, for doing my yeah, graphic stuff. Totally. It is the best machine they've ever made, right? Yep. Completely yep. agree. So, okay, well, let's, uh, I guess we'll leave it at that. I finally got someone to agree with me on something. <laughs> Do you think they'll eliminate the non-Retina MacBook Pro? No, because it's a price nah. point thing. Yeah. And I think right now, you know, the Retina MacBook, I mean, uh, actually, uh, it's a crazy thing, because Apple does like the Simplify, right? Uh, here's the thing. I don't think the graphic processors are up to snuff to do it yet. I, I, I want the Retina MacBook Air, but my guess is they're not ready yet. You never know, though. You never know. Never know. Well, what's the new, um, what's the new, is it Haswell? Is that the new processing architecture? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, Haswell is going to be like 50% less power than Ivy Bridge, which is considerable. And the the processing, you know, the graphics performance is huge. So maybe, you know, the question is, is does Apple have Haswell ready to roll? Do you know, do you know any little things on that, Jonathan, or not really? Oh, no, uh, at this point, I, I don't know anything. Yeah. Nor if I did, there's no way I'd be able to uh, 
say it publicly. Yeah. Especially on a podcast, right? Nah. <laughs> I'll chat with you after this is over. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> it's all good. All right. Well, anyway, I think that wraps up. Uh, we're out of time, Brent. Sorry, I had to. Holy my... shit, Michael. I think we're out of time. We're out of time. We're out of time. Um, thanks for being on, Jonathan. We really appreciate it. Anything, yeah. anything you want to talk about quick just before we go, or are you good? Glad to be here. No, I'm good. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. great. Thanks for being here. And uh, Our many... listeners should all check out Hype if they don't already have it. I bet they already do. Yeah, hype, check it out because it's if, really if you cool. do any kind of web development you have a website you're looking to do animated stuff it's it's just great it basically as jonathan said earlier lets you take these animations that you create in hype which is like a studio and it just outputs html5 it's magical yeah when we were making the app and this was actually part of the genesis story um our whole mentality on the user interface was let's make it like keynote but with a keyframe animation system so if uh you know you know how to use keynote um, you'll feel right at home yeah. with Hype. That's really cool. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, thanks much to our excellent sponsor, Checkbook Pro by Splasm Software. Um, Thank you, on, Splasm. Yes, uh, it's on sale now. Don't forget, $19.99 until the middle of June. And uh, 2.5 just came out with cloud syncing, and their iOS app is coming. So check them out at splasm.com slash Checkbook Pro. Uh, Mr. Simmons, anything else from you? No, nothing else from me. I think we're done. We are done. All right, listener. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Adores a minuet, the ballet roots, and crepe Suzette. Our patty loves to rock and roll, a hot dog makes her lose control. What a wild duet, still their cousins, identical cousins, and you find. They laugh alike, they walk alike, at times they even talk alike. You can lose your mind when cousins.